turn, hands it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Success, college, underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! The brakes. Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello, hello. Kenny Larrabee is here running the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Let's be real. Kenny Larrabee's here just running all of us, right? He is the he is, man. He is the puppeteer. We we are merely just having our strings pulled. That's true. Kind of like how a certain conference in the Midwest is having their strings pulled lately. What? There's somebody ruining a conference in the Midwest? Well, Never would have guessed. I want to start with everyone's favorite drama. <laughs> everyone's favorite <laughs> summer drama. It's back for another season. Just when you least expected it, it is conference realignment. We haven't been there since, what, 2012, I want to say, was when A&M and Missouri moved? Right, but all of it really started in 2010. Right, that was the, that was the summer that Nebraska moved to, the, announced their move to the Big Which Ten. Which i got to tell you, super weird. When I was in college, so I was at Southern Illinois Edwardsville, mm-hmm. and a girl that I was dating, her cousin, and I went to a Missouri football game, mm-hmm. because her cousin went to Missouri, this would have been in 2011, so like their last year in the Big 12. Yeah. So we've gone through. You've obviously covered it. I slightly lived part of it by being across the Midwest, being in Illinois while they were talking about, well, is anyone else going to be added to the Big 10? Um, all of the conference realignment, the last big conference realignment. I We're not going to talk. Necessarily, it doesn't count the breakaway into the American Right, like that, because yeah. that wasn't a, a big deal in like a Power Five. Are you talking about like when Creighton basketball and and some of the other Big East basketball only schools and that that realigned some of the football schools to the American when the Big East right can, dissolved? The Big East over the last thirty forty years, can we even really include them in real? Because they're just constantly realigning for basketball schools. Well, that and they don't exist for football. Anymore. Yeah, like this is. All football-driven. There's a little bit of basketball on the periphery, and obviously it's a little bit more highlighted for us here in the state because Creighton is part of that with the Big East. But this is all football. Like Now, there are sports that benefit from this. Like, let's say Texas, Oklahoma do go to the SEC. Texas baseball fits in extremely well. Sure, Like, there are sports that that benefit from all this. You just had Kentucky win a volleyball national championship. Mm Mm-hmm. Now they have the competition of having Texas volleyball mm-hmm. in their conference. There are reportedly, sp- yeah, there are sports that would benefit from all of this, but it's driven by football, and not just how football has been recently, but it's driven by your overall athletic brand. Yeah. People continue to forget that. No, Texas hasn't won a championship in a decade and a half, but neither had Nebraska right. when it moved to the Big Ten. So Texas is actually in a very similar position to Nebraska a decade ago on relevancy, really recent wins, recent success. They're actually one year further removed from a conference championship than Nebraska was when Nebraska was dealing with their conference move issues. Yes. So when we're watching all of this, Texas is a very 
good starting point for where you're looking at what Nebraska was a decade ago, but it's based on the brand. Oklahoma has brand and recent success in football. Yep. Texas is the brand. The same way Nebraska was the brand when they joined a decade ago. Yeah. The, the Big Ten, anyway. Right. And I say football drives this whole thing because you could conceivably think of a future where Kansas basketball ends up playing in the Mountain West or something. <laughs> and that would be stunning and ridiculous and hilarious all at once. I got to uh, tell you, this... I cannot imagine Bill Self rolling into Laramie, Wyoming, and the flames coming out of those backboards and we're coming to you live from Boise, Idaho. It's Kansas and Boise state here on the mountain West network. It's a chilly December night here in Laramie. So this is, this is the big one with Texas and Oklahoma reportedly yes. leaving the big 12 and joining the sec. It takes the sec from 14 to 16. Yes, it would. The ACC has 15, and that doesn't include Notre Dame, I think. No, it it doesn't. And so you 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 could you could see. A well, I thought I thought here. ACC football had four. I thought they had an even number in their divisions. They might have an even number for, uh, for football, and then one more for basketball. Because I'm pretty sure they have 15 for basketball. Yeah. So basket. Who's the who's the basketball only member in the ACC then? Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame play. Oh, th- that's right. They are officially affiliated every year in basketball. Yes, in- and then they just had an agreement for the pandemic year last year to play a conference. Yes, season with and them. then in hockey, they're in the Big Ten. Right, hockey's Big Ten. So all of, all football most independent. Yeah, most of the sports Notre Dame is in the ACC. Yeah. Football is independent. Hockey is in the Big Ten. Yeah. So so what you could have now is a triggering of of these other conferences. The Big Ten's got fourteen teams. The ACC's got 14 football teams. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 still has 12. And the Big 12 would probably not be able to survive without Texas and Oklahoma. They can try to add Cincinnati, Central Florida, uh, the, the BYU. I, I don't think they'd make it. Right. Uh, so, so you could have these other schools come in and poach these teams, just like what happened in 2010 and 2011. And what's the Big 10 going to do? Kevin Warren is at the controls now instead of Jim Delaney, which I know a lot of people shudder to think that, but was the Rutgers edition really that cool? I mean, whatever. Well, if if you're talking about so if you're talking about television networks, but it's a whole different deal and, now because you're not looking for yes, markets. See, that's you're the, looking for streaming. That's the part brands. that's getting lost in people right now is because brands drive your streaming. So brands though, and, and the other part of that is not just your streaming, but we're we are now into the name image likeness world mm-hmm. where if you have more brands in your conference, your conference brand is higher, yeah. there is the possibility for more funny more money to be funneled towards your student athletes yeah. because all of their brand is bigger. Right. That's a big like that's such a big part of this on what this is going to do name image likeness wise for student athletes in the SEC should it go through and then what are other conferences doing to raise their profile? Right. To to counteract like you you can't counteract it from a from a football brand standpoint. Yeah. There is zero way to counteract Texas and Oklahoma going to a conference. Yeah. And I make fun of Kansas in that their football program is not moving the needle whatsoever, but they have a basketball program that's pretty important. The brand of Kansas basketball may make them attractive enough to a conference like the Big Ten. I think it does. To say, hey, the next 
rights deal is going to be probably based in streaming more than where you're located. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Kansas City, like is you get close you get KC with it. That's not an insignificant market. It's not huge, but it's not insignificant. And Kansas basketball has a huge reach. Mm-hmm. It's not football, but it does have a good reach in terms of the gettable athletic departments that are out there for the Big Ten that do make some sense geographically, culturally, etc. Mm-hmm. So that is certainly a possibility. K-State, sorry, you're probably not coming along. And a big part of that is, and don't even look at the athletics, a big part of that is the academics. Yep. And I know, some, pe- I know some people that have gone to K-State, um, wonderfully smart people, mm-hmm. both student-athletes and regular, regular students. I was about to say regular athletes. <laughs> um, that's just at Kentucky basketball, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But there are some very smart people that I've known that have gone to Kansas State. That doesn't mean that the rating at K-State is where it is to fit into a Big Ten or even a Pac-12. Yeah. Now, Iowa State? Does Iowa want Iowa State in the Big Ten? They're not going to have the only say, obviously, but here's, that'll be an interesting Here's dynamic. the thing. From everything I have watched on social media and message boards, which can only tell you so much. If you've ventured into any Husker message boards, you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. There are a lot there there are some on both Iowa and Iowa State side that would be apprehensive about being in the same conference. There's a lot of excitement though mm-hmm. about the possibility. Um I brought this up yesterday and there, there's a number of people just from living in Iowa for less than a year, there's a lot of folks that I know and still talk with on both sides of that rivalry. Mm-hmm. They're pretty pumped up about what the possibility of a Cyhawk game in mid-November where both teams are still fighting for a division championship. To 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 win their side and go to a Big Ten championship with that Cyhawk not being in September. <laughs> yeah, and not having to be a non-conference game that you're locked into, giving you only two games to schedule anymore. Right, like you would annually, you're going to automatically have that game now in your conference. So that opens both of them up to another non-conference game. Right. Like it... it it both like it's really exciting for their state, but it kind of hampers them from from a scheduling standpoint, because for someone like well, yeah, for both because they're playing nine conference games. They are. Yep. So for both of them, you're essentially saying here's ten conference games. These are ten games you have no say in. Right. What other two do you want? Right. It's nice to have a little bit of leeway in what that other one is. Yep. So what would as much as there's the well the Big Ten's out to get Nebraska. If the Big Ten added Kansas and Iowa State, not to say Nebraska would beat them at everything or Nebraska would lose to them at everything, I think that's a big old olive branch to Nebraska in adding two geographically close schools. Yes. And saying, yes, these are brands that we want, but Nebraska, not every other week are you having to go to Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State. Here are three schools that you border now. I feel pretty good about that. And how do... How do Nebraska fans feel about it being old uh, Big 12, Big 8 schools? The Big 8 part especially. The Big 8 part especially. People, where it's, people aren't pining for the Big 12. Screw Texas. People are pining for the old Big 8. Like Back when Oklahoma was the thing. Like You can drive to a lot of these Big 10 games, but man, going to just, just heading over, staying in Des Moines. Lawrence is a lot closer than West Lafayette. Yeah, headed down to Lawrence. <laughs> and Madison. Like All of, all of these things... 
really end up benefiting Nebraska. And then you start to talk about what would the... Obviously, football's driving this thing. Iowa State's in a really good place right now, football-wise. This is good timing for them. They've done well recently. And Jamie Pollard would get to be the man he was born to be, and that's a Big Ten athletic director. Okay, whatever. That's in the past (laughs) now. Um, But Kansas football... They they won the the what two two thousand eight Orange Bowl, yeah the two thousand seven season they yeah. went twelve and one finished number so two or three national there there's the possibility that a broken clock could be twice like right twice a day type of thing you got to get I mean for, you got to get the right for, guy I mean for, Mangino had success Matt Campbell's having success for Iowa State for those schools. It's not a every coach thing. It's not going to be a program driven mm-hmm. thing. It's going to be a coach driven thing. And if they find the right guy. Obviously, it's been proven that it can happen. Right. So you go through, and football's going to be football, which I do actually like uh, Kansas football field for being as open as it is. Yeah. It's a nice little football field knowing what they invest into their football program compared right. to basketball. It's cozy. Now, basketball, and you're taking Big Ten teams where you've already got to deal with going to the rack. You've already got to deal with going everywhere in this conference. Even going to PBA is a hard place to win. Like, take top 10 Illinois a year ago. Right. It's a hard place to win, even against bad Nebraska teams. Now you add Fog Island Fieldhouse. Like, are, are you kidding me? For for the men's basketball stuff? We could talk volleyball. Big Ten's got a pretty good volleyball conference. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's not bad. Kansas has some good teams come around. You raise the profile in a few different sports. Now you're adding some Big Ten, uh, um, Big Ten baseball. Well, you're only adding one team with, to with that Kansas. Equation. Well, you're adding it with Kansas, but you talk right. about Big Ten wrestling, mm-hmm. and then you you're not adding Kansas wrestling because they don't have a wrestling right. program. Yeah. So you would be picking and choosing your sports a little bit here. But I think if you looked at those two schools to come, is Notre Dame the pipe dream that you want to get added to the Big Ten? Sure, not happening. Too entrenched in the ACC, guys, and their football program's not going anywhere. They can be independent with the current setup and the landscape of college football. They're not right. going anywhere. It's, even with the future college football playoff stuff, It's I don't think it's changing their desire to be an independent program. No. But what do you do? I know we've got to hit a break, and we've got so much to get to because we've got sound from Scott Frost. We've got all of Media Day's stuff to talk about. We're 35 days out from Husker football starting. Uh, we've got a position preview, talking wide receivers today, and oh man, is this the most wide open uh, position group, at least that I've looked at. Mm. But, last thing, Texas and Oklahoma, let's just say it's a done deal. Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC. And then let's say the Big Ten just says, we're taking Kansas and Iowa State. What happens to K-State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, West Virginia? West Virginia is going to have to. First of all, West Virginia was the most. Their, their addition to the Big Twelve was so stupid, just geographically. I still don't understand it. <laughs> they should find someone closer. And then your other schools. The yeah, the other schools. Join the American. They're they're probably. They're, it sounds like they're talking to the Pac twelve again, maybe. Yeah, as that that what like twenty team super league they're gonna try to. That's not that's not ideal. You want to just <laughs> pick and choose your favorite ones and 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 right. go that route. I now, think. So yes, there's the possibility with whatever the Pac twelve is doing, but I honestly think T- TCU and Baylor would fit in a lot better in the American. And then because here's the thing: if you're the American and you can grab these schools, you one you eliminate the Big Twelve. 
But two, right. you establish yourself legitimately as the fifth part of the Power Five. You don't have to start, try to grab on the coattails and say, it's Power Six, it's Power Six, we're, we're a big conference too. Yeah, You legitimize yourself as well. So I think uh, leadership for the American need to be looking at this and their mouth-watering saying, we can fully establish ourselves by grabbing some of these teams, one, eliminating an opposing conference, and two, raising our own profile. There's a lot of moving pieces. It is everybody's favorite summer drama. Oh, it's so much fun. Do you you remember NCAA football when you could first move teams from conferences because of this a decade ago? You can still do that with the the 14 version, the last version they made. So much fun. Yeah, it's it's fun once in a while. (laughs) Um, It's like, I don't know to compare it to, uh, like... The, the next season of Ted Lasso that just came out, or if it's more like the Friends reunion. Watched the reunion. first episode yesterday. Loved it. More like the Friends reunion where it's been so long. I don't know which team is Rachel, which team's Monica. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to, to pick and choose those. Um, um, but up, yeah. Update from the Olympics. Yeah. Japan, three on three. Kisi Tomonaga, incoming Nebraska sharpshooter. <laughs> he scored the game-tying point to put it into overtime. Heck then yeah. the final two points in overtime to win. Casey. That's our guy. Yeah, get that's, him here. That's our guy. Yeah, we'll have more Nebraska ball news. There is yet another announcement for another edition. It's a weekly thing now. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you who our that our is. Our weekly segment, who's joining Nebraska ball? Right. Some expected baseball signings that are leaving the Nebraska baseball's program, plus one maybe unexpected signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll tell you who that is. And Gary Sharp is going to join us next. He is the play-by-play voice of UNO Men's Basketball, host the Gary Sharp Show on 1620 The Zone. He knows a lot about Trev. We're going to talk to him about that and plenty more when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Cole Stukenholz and Caleb Henry here. 35 days until Husker football is back. Five long weeks. We're going to be at Illinois week zero. Get a little bit of an early start on fall camp. Well, and that that's the thing is this next week is the final week before. Well, they'll actually start like this next Friday, I believe. Right, before our next show. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll the, have real like fall camp practice stuff to oh, talk about. Jeez, wow! Doesn't see it was just yesterday they were playing uh, down in Fayetteville for baseball and where'd the summer go? Where'd it go? Yeah, I don't know. Where'd UNO's athletic director go? I don't know. Let's can find we still out. call him UNO or is it just Omaha? We'll we'll ask one of the experts. Uh, we've got Gary Sharp joining us here. He's a uh, part of our sister station, sixteen twenty, the Zone. Does a little play by play over there for UNO basketball. He knows UNO well. Uh, Gary, thanks a lot for the time. Welcome to the KLIN Husker Hour. Hey, first of all, a couple of things here. One, that was a heck of a transition uh, to uh, talking about Trev Albert. <laughs> um, these are you guys are we we now are the three best friends because we are seatmates in yes. the press box in Lincoln yep. and we'll be back six weeks from today all together again maskless mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then also this is the first time I've been on KLIN since 2005. Wow, it's been oh, a while. Geez. There you go. Well, we're happy wow, to, since, since my freshman year of high school. Happy to facilitate uh, that. <laughs> hey, thanks, Caleb. You're I you're welcome. That. I was, I, I was I know, at least in college. Right. I know all of us are excited to have more than just our uh, our ration up there in the press box, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you Gary, know what I mean? It's, it's just going to be, think about it, six weeks from today, 
uh, five weeks from today, because there's going to be a lot of Nebraska fans over in Champaign. Uh, we've seen what it's like to come back to stadiums and arenas. I can't even fathom what it's going to be like to be back in full college football and NFL stadiums. Wow. It's it's going to it's going to sound great and it's going to feel great. And we'll get our Saturdays back where there's tailgating and all the other angst that goes into what we normally have around here on a Saturday. Ah, we miss the angst, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get the important stuff out of the way first, Gary. Uh, Wednesday starts the Chiefs training camp. How oh, excited geez. are we about Patrick Mahomes playing behind the best offensive line of his career? How excited are we, Cole, that he's healthy, yes. and that he's got a chip on his shoulder, and they have revenge on their minds? And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put out their Super Bowl ring that reminds you that the score was 31-9. to Oh, my gosh. I mean, are we talking now going back to the Super Bowl for the third straight year, winning two in the, the three-year span? I mean, oh, jeez. They should actually start earlier. But they, they reported <laughs> uh, yesterday, so it's getting closer. Yes, it is getting closer. And, and Anyway, go Bears. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> somebody who was not interested until they drafted Justin Fields. But, hey, go. <laughs> just just when I think I'm out, they find a way to reel me right back exactly. in. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little UNO, a little Nebraska, the, the guy that kind of brings that conversation together. Being involved uh, with play-by-play at Omaha, is, you have pretty deep insight. But uh, real basic first, what, what odds did you give Trev – to get the job when it opened, and what was your reaction when the announcement was made that he was coming to Nebraska? I was surprised that he took the job, and then when I found out more about why he took the job, it made perfect sense. Um, not before Moose got hired, but before Icorse got hired, I think that's when Trev had a pretty good interest in the job, and he was persuaded by people that said to him, you're not even going to be a candidate, so don't try. They're going to go with someone from the outside. And I was surprised also from the fact, guys, that Trev for 12 years as the athletic director at Omaha has really built something. He has transformed a campus by leading the, the push from Division II to Division I athletics. And he has projects. He's a big project guy. He has the Phase three, what they call it here, which is kind of the topping off of putting all of their athletic programs under one roof. And it's a $130 million facility. And the plans are there. Trev was going to raise the money. He basically said on his own, that is one of his huge strengths. And I think uh, a, a big part of why he got the job is because of his ability to raise money and his connections in Omaha. So he was all in on Omaha. There's a lot of exciting things, even after a pandemic where they weren't crushed financially like some in the Summit League were, that I thought he is committed. And he's also, you know, he's young, but he's thinking, all right, four or five more years, and then I can ride off into the sunset. But then Nebraska called, and we saw, and you guys saw, how important Nebraska is to him and the pull that it has. So initially, I thought there is no chance. Why would he leave Omaha? Why would he want to take that job when there are coaches that are inside of the athletic department going, man, why would anybody want this job? But I think the pull of Nebraska uh, was too much for Trev in a place that is near and dear to his heart academically and athletically. And Trev has even shown how much this position means to him by being in Indianapolis the last couple of yeah. days. Hey, go ahead. So if you, I mean, you think about this. So, and 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 you know, I'm like the, I guess I'm the Trev Alberts whisperer, or I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I like wrote a book about Trev Alberts. I just, I've gotten to know him in my seven years of doing play-by-play, and we've talked a lot. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to see Trev in front of boosters, in front of coaches. Has there been anybody that's had a better week in that role than Trev? He gets on social media. He does all the right things. He's listening to the fans. 
he's going to give people the opportunity to have printed tickets and parking passes. And you know what kind of a mess that was going to be six weeks from today. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's listening to his constituents. And I think that's the biggest thing for Trev coming into this job where they've got some work to do is he's going to be a listener. And he listens with his ears, not his mouth. But he's had a really, really good week. And it's a good week for people to kind of get to know him and to know his message and how he delivers that message. That's such an interesting take because a lot of what we have heard in the aftermath of the abrupt retirement of Bill Moose and then the comparison to Trev Alberts now over this week is how much different the different the presence is of Alberts across the athletic department. Obviously, there's no sports going on, but he made himself present at Big Ten Media Days. He's like, I, I like the way you put that, Gary, where he's listening with his ears and not his mouth because there's a lot of good things that Bill Moose said, but there was also a lot of things that made us go, oh, how, how are we going to back all of this up now? Yeah, he's first and foremost, Trev's got a presence. I mean, he's six foot four. So when he walks into a room, either to meet with colleagues or meet with boosters or meet with media, there's just something about him. He's a big, good-looking guy, uh, and he's one not to waste energy with words. You know, Kevin Warren does a really good job of saying a lot but saying nothing. Trev doesn't say a lot of words, but he makes sure that those words are pretty meaningful, and I think you're not going to get somebody that flies from the hip, you know, that's just going to say something outlandish that's going to show up on a, a message board or a bulletin board. He's pretty pretty concerted in what he's going to say and his message and delivering it and the focus of that. One other thing about him going to Indianapolis, and, you know, it got out there that he drove, and people are like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. that's not a surprise. You know, Trev is, Trev is, the one thing that you're going to find out about Trev is even though he's got, he's in the power chair in Lincoln, he's a normal guy. I mean, he's not searching for a million and a half dollar contract. He doesn't want to fly on his own. He doesn't want to be real bougie. You know, he, he kind of lives a very modest lifestyle here in Omaha when he could live a highfalutin lifestyle. But the story about him driving doesn't surprise me at all. And let me give you a couple of examples. So he hopped in his car and he drove to Indianapolis, which is about a nine, ten hour drive. He would normally do that at Omaha. He drove one Monday in November. This is probably three, four years ago. The Omaha men's basketball team is playing in Fort Worth against TCU. Trev got in his car that morning in Omaha with a, with a colleague, and they drove to Fort Worth. They came to the game, and then he got back in his car, and he drove back to Omaha so he'd be in the office the next day. He regularly did that for hockey if they went to Denver or they went to Michigan because he likes to do business while he's driving. He likes to think, and he likes to see part of the country. Um, so that's kind of that's a little insight of, of Trev doesn't need the chartered flights and all of that kind of stuff. He's, he's very much a, you know, a normal person that I think is relatable, even though none of us have – you know, won uh, a major college football award. We've never been an All-American. We've never played in the NFL. We've never been on a game day set. He just comes across as someone that is it, you, you can relate to, and I think that's great for the people that he's going to be in charge of and also the people that he's going to try and convince either to come back into the athletic department with giving or new people are out there to introduce them to the product. Now, with Alberts, as we're talking with Gary Sharp from 1620 The Zone, with Alberts coming down to Lincoln, that obviously that opens up Omaha, but then we also had the announcement that Creighton's athletic director is going to be retiring here this next month. What What's the feeling in, in Omaha with two Division One AD positions? And then just for you, Gary, how wild is it that in the same summer, three Division One AD jobs came open in the, in the same state here in little old Nebraska? So, you know, July is supposed to be the worst month for all of us in radio. <laughs> <laughs> radio. 
I mean, we, we, we come up with lists and we do all these other goofy <laughs> stuff. And then all of a sudden we get this, all these things delivered on a silver platter to us on radio where we get Bill Moose is forced into retirement. Trev Alberts takes over. Omaha's got an opening. And then Bruce Rasmussen, after four decades at Creighton, says that he's going to retire next month. And who would have thunk it, guys? When we get to the middle of August when Raz steps down, Trev Alberts will be the longest tenured athletic director in the state at his current place. <laughs> and he will have been there about a month. Wow. Yeah, that is that is funny to think about when, when you get down to it. He's he's in, in terms of the football side, he's mentioned that he's not calling plays, he's not telling coaches who to recruit. Uh, but just knowing where Nebraska's program is today, Gary, five losing seasons in six years, what of Trev Albert's attributes will most benefit this program short-term and long-term? Uh, number one, and you heard him say it, is accountability. Yeah. You have to be accountable to yourself, to the people you're in charge of, and the brand. And I think accountability is one thing that he demands from himself and also everybody that is around him. And I think that will greatly benefit not only football, but the other sports out there. Because if you're not being accountable and you're a little loosey-goosey, Trevor's not a guy that puts up with BS. As you saw, he's pretty straightforward. Now, he's going to make excuses. He isn't going to make outlandish predictions. But there are a couple of staples that he wants. And I think when he looks at football, guys, accountability will be a big one. Discipline will be a big one, and it's on and off the playing field. Do you put yourself in a position to win, knowing that weird stuff can happen and you're not going to win every game? And then do you believe that you can win? We hope to win, but do you believe that you can win? I think those are three key things that, regardless of sport at Nebraska, that's what Trent has really put into his coaches in Omaha, and he will continue to do that because he believes in those principles that if you're able to take care of those, Everything else will take care of itself. Now, a lot of the conversation when it was officially announced Trev was going to be the next athletic director at the University of Nebraska was about the cutting of football and wrestling at Omaha. I don't want to talk about that because the jokes have already been so played out that he's going to come do that here. What I do want to talk about, though, Gary, is the opposite of that. Is UNL going to get some hockey teams? Hmm. Um. You know, that's a popular, after, after you get the, well, when Nebraska doesn't have wrestling and football, <laughs> when they have hockey. Uh, you know, the Big Ten, actually, a couple of years ago, because the Big Ten, when they went solely hockey and teams broke away from um, the old conference, like the Wisconsin's and the Minnesotas, they wanted to include other Big Ten teams. And Illinois is the next up that they're going to they're gonna bring on board Division One hockey, I think, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. They kick the tires with Nebraska. Now, there's a couple of things that would have to happen at Nebraska. First and foremost is they would have to find a gigantic booster like they have at Penn State yeah. that would put their name on an ice center that would basically fund all of the scholarships. They could do it that way. But I don't think that Trev, Trev is thinking, hey, let's add men's ice hockey. Now, maybe down the road, women's ice hockey. But the thing about Trev, and, and you know, it is what it is when he dropped two sports. But they had to make the move to Division One. He made some hard decisions, um, and that was not easy because he took a lot of bullets for it. Trent has also added sports at Omaha, and most recently in this country, where a lot of programs are keeping women swimming and diving and cutting men's, Trev brought on men's swimming and diving recently. So he's not opposed to adding sports. I think he'll judge the landscape. I don't know that it'll be hockey, but 
you never know. There could be another sport or two down the road that Nebraska adds under under Trev because he wants to build up that student-athlete experience, and he really wants to work on the brand of Nebraska in the state and out of the state. But first and foremost, I think one thing that is big and resonates with fans I've talked to, and probably you guys as well, is he's, he's into the fans where don't take them for granted. They are our clients. They are our passionate fan base, and we are not going to overlook them. I keep thinking about things he said last week. There's a lot of things in there that I'm sure that when he was having the discussion with Ronnie Green and anybody else, those things were coming up that we have to work on. And so Trev used those as bullet points of, yes, we will work on those things sooner than later in my tenure. Man, I just really want a big old black sweater with that red N on the front of it, though. <laughs> you and your hockey sweaters. <laughs> uh, well, here, here, see, that goes back. You know what? Trev is open to things. I, I think in this position it's not going to be my way or the highway because – he doesn't want this to be Trev Albert's athletic program. He wants this yeah. to be the University of Nebraska at Lincoln's athletic program. And so that's why I think, you know, even if you have wild ideas, but I think Trev will listen because I saw that here at Omaha because people definitely come up with wild ideas. And, you know, he was not opposed to change. I mean, he tweaked some things that were, you know, brought up by boosters, brought up by fans, that he made the experience better. He's into the experience, first and foremost, the student-athlete, and then making sure that the fans have the best experience they can have, rooting for their teams, that they're proud of the student-athletes that are in those programs, and they have the best experience when they come into their uh, venues to cheer for the team. That's why he's big on facilities. That's why I wonder how soon, guys, they look at Memorial Stadium. Not, and not, you know, not alcohol, which we'll get to in just a moment, but <laughs> what do we do with a facility that's going to be about 100 years old? And oh, by the way, on alcohol, the Baxter Arena, where the men's and women's basketball program, volleyball and hockey play, serves alcohol. Brand new baseball and softball facility serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. Trev is an alcohol guy. He sees the benefits financially that you can serve it and make it an experience for your fans that they don't get anywhere else. So keep that in mind. Now, Trev did say in his uh, his letter to season ticket holders about the printed tickets and yeah. the parking passes, did say that they would be evaluating, what was it, South Stadium yeah. Um, yeah. On, on possible renovations to make it a, a better fan experience. Yeah. Well, there's, it was on, it's been, it, it, so there's ideas that are out there, and they've been out there for about four or five years about to completely redo the South Stadium to turn it into more group seating as well. Um, you know, they've been trying to, they've been whittling down the capacity to make the seats larger. You know, the seat, we're not getting any smaller around here. And people are so uncomfortable. That's the feedback they get. People are uncomfortable going to the stadium because they can't sit there and enjoy the game because they're cramped up. We know how that is. Or if you have uh, seat one, by the middle of the second quarter, you only have one butt, butt talk <laughs> on your uh, plank. So I think Trev will look at South Stadium and whether it's, tear down South Stadium and rebuild it, and it takes a year and a half and you relocate all those season ticket holders, I think he is opening, open to expanding the experience because, let's be honest, you guys know that stadium well and you hear from your listeners, they've got to do something to better the experience for fans just watching the game. I don't want to, for, you know, you got Wi-Fi, you got Husker Vision, but how about just sitting there and enjoying the game comfortably? They've definitely got to work on that. Yeah. One more, we'll get you out of here. We're doing wide receiver position preview this morning, Gary. Give me one guy that you're most looking forward to in the wide receiver room. Will Nixon. Will Nixon. There you go. Yeah, he... I think he's a, he's a sneaky kind of a slot guy that mm-hmm. we saw during the spring. We might have been sitting around each other commenting on him. Boy, he's a tough guy. I mean, he's going yeah. to get pounded a little bit, 
but he's also a very smart player. Um, I'm excited to watch him. I, I know you probably want the name guys, but I think Will Nixon. And I think Will Nixon, if Will Nixon has a good season, that's a really good spot for Nebraska because that was a nice recruiting win that kind of went under the radar. And it would be nice to have a guy who came in like you know at the start of his college career and make an impact as opposed to you know the potential starters. You got the three, Martin, Toure, and Manning. None of them started their college careers at Nebraska, so getting a guy from high school, that would be a nice change of pace. Uh, it would. It would be unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're looking forward to getting back up there. Memorial Stadium sitting next to you here during a game in, uh, what, six weeks until the Fordham game. Uh, Gary Sharp, 1620 The Zone, uh, joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Thanks a lot for the time, Gary. We'll talk soon. Hey, guys. As always, I appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate your work. All right. Awesome. Uh, that's uh, good insight on Trev Alberts as well, obviously, because... He's got a lot of uh, a lot of experience there in dealing with Trev, and so that's uh, from somebody who knows, right? Well, and it's just like on uh, on LNK today when we found out about the Bruce Rasmussen retirement, we talked with John Bishop, yeah, because he's got that Creighton connection, that exactly. Cre- and that's what you got with get with Gary Sharp in Omaha, yeah. All right, we've got that position preview coming. Big Ten Media Days happened over the last couple of days. We have some uh, sound from Scott Frost on that as well, uh, and we'll run down the rest of the week. That's coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Gary Sharp, who just joined us. If you missed that conversation on Husker football, Trav Alberts, alcohol in Memorial Stadium, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, any of that, head over to the podcast yeah. page at KLIN.com. Yeah, mostly that last one, I guess. Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. <laughs> We're still live there right now if you want to come and join us and uh, see our bright and shining faces here on a Saturday morning. Uh, let's dig in a little bit to that position preview right. and and see what we're working with. Last week was running backs, and that was a thin group in terms of experience. This and, one, and, and that one was also kind of cut and dry with, okay, who's here should have this position? Right, right. You, this you, one's a little bit of that, but there's also a lot more what-ifs. Yes. You, you, know, you know, I think, who's starting at receiver, mm-hmm. uh, which is a difference from running back. Uh, but there's still a lot of unknowns and and not a lot of existing Division One uh, FBS uh, production to be had in in these starting positions. Right. Because I think if you look at who you project to start, I think it's probably going to be Oliver Martin, Samari Toure, and Omar Manning. Those mm-hmm. are your main three dudes that you right. see providing provided everything goes well for those guys. Uh, you have Manning, who did not do anything for Nebraska last year. Toure is a transfer from Montana, who has production from Montana, but that's FCS. Hey, Manning was targeted. Yes. Once. Yes. Maybe twice. Yes. I think once in the Northwestern game. And then Oliver Martin, who who started to get a lot more time late in the season, uh, a transfer from Iowa. So you've got those guys. Xavier Betts had the longest re- the longest reception of the year, which was really just a fly sweep, right? Pit, pot pass, uh, but Will still, Nixon, what, what Gary Sharp mentioned, yeah. Wyatt Lever, spring game hero, who knows the offense pretty well, has been around for a while. Uh, you've got Elante Brown, who could be a, a weapon, incoming freshman Latrell Neville, Kamonte Grimes, Sean Hardy, Chancellor Brewington, Chancellor from Northern Arizona, Brewington. 
There's a lot of guys in that room who makes the impact, who can get open, who can make the plays. Oh my goodness. That like that's the question there, right? Um and Levi Falk, did you did Levi you Falk, I met I left yeah. him out. Yeah. Um transferred from South Dakota two years ago. But yes, another transfer. Mm-hmm. You go through all of these guys <laughs> and it becomes one who can go out and make an impact. The Xavier Betts, what I was gonna say on him was yes, it was basically a fly sweep. But he had to be able to outrun some guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it also took a block on the edge like like to spring him. So there are things you have to do to execute across the rest of the offense as opposed to just these guys getting open. We didn't see it a whole lot last year with guys getting open. And then when they were, the quarterbacks also had trouble hitting them downfield. So there's going to be a lot that goes into this, and we'll say this with every position group, is that it becomes dependent on some other groups working well, a symbi- symbiotic relationship across the entire offense or defense. Mm-hmm. But you got to feel really good about Samari Toure, mm-hmm. and you got to feel really good about Oliver Martin, and from what we were able to see from Omar Manning. So you've got a really good top three that I think are going to be there. What kind of jump can Xavier Betts make in year two to be a possible downfield threat, big dude, um, who's he's not going to be an every snap guy, but if all of a sudden you line up Manning and Betts on the same side of the ball, how how is a defense going to go move their their at least bigger DBs to try to defend that side of the ball, let alone put them on different hashes? Mm-hmm. So how how are defenses going to defend just the size that you get from a Betts and a Manning? But I really like what Toure is going to be able to bring out of that that slot. Oliver Martin, also kind of a slot guy. So you're going to get a lot of what I think works best with Scott Frost's offense is the slot guy being able to go make a bunch of catches and find himself in space. And we just didn't get enough of that with uh, Wandale Robinson because there wasn't a downfield big guy threat. Yeah. And I think you've got a few guys that can fill that role, which opens up what that slot position is supposed to be. Right. In terms of receiving from last season, oh no, uh, Wandale Robinson led the team, fifty-one receptions. Uh-huh. Austin Allen, tight end, uh, was second with eighteen receptions, and he's on a preseason list. Yeah, that's right, preseason season. Uh, <laughs> Watch list season. Can you tell me who got the third most receptions on the twenty twenty Huskers? The third most receptions. Yep. Um, it is a wide receiver. Oh, I, I was going to ask it if it is was a wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yeah. Is it Falk? It's it's Falk. Yeah. It's the one guy I didn't say. And he had 13, and then you had Xavier Betts and Diedrich Mills both had 12. Uh, and then you have to go down to Vokalek had nine. Well, see, my, if, if you were going to say... Jack Stoll only had seven. Because Vokalek was the first one that came to my head was, yeah. wait, did he have a bunch of catches? But he didn't have that. I mean, it was only nine for 91. And, and in terms of touchdown receptions, uh, Wyatt Lever had one. Levi Falk had one. Xavier Betts had one, Austin Allen had one, and Wandale Robinson had one. Five total touchdown receptions all of last season. Just eight games, but still, that number is, I mean, you you could maybe have that many against Fordham if things go well, or Buffalo. You know who should be the returning pass catcher for the receiving room? Luke McCaffrey. Hmm. Well, somebody, somebody, sometimes somebody wants to play quarterback, and you, you got to let them go to Louisville and then to Rice. Yes. You could start there. <laughs> um, so I asked Gary Sharp this, and he said Will Nixon was his guy who who maybe is the the one he's looking the most. Forward I think that's to. a good pick. Give me your pick. Who are you most looking forward to? Big, you know, not big name, but 
projected starter or otherwise. See, it to to me, it is Xavier Betts. Um, and a big part of that is what you get athletically from him. I'm going to stay away from the, that top line of guys. Yeah. From from the the Manning, the Toure, and the Betts, or uh, Manning, Toure, and Martin. And Martin. Um, Betts being technically a true freshman is, is what he is eligibility wise, but he was able to get in a little bit last year. And the big critique last year was that it's understanding the playbook for him, like it is for a lot of first year guys. It's just understanding the playbook, but. He gets me excited because the possibility to play with that top line of guys and be out there with the big receivers like Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek and maybe Fedoni by November. Um, you, you get out there with some big guys, you're going to have to find a way. He's going to be matched up with smaller dudes. I like the athleticism we've seen from Betts. He made a couple nice catches we were able to see in, in spring practices. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wicked fast when he can get up to his top speed. Um, and really, that, like we said, on that fly sweep, Betts makes me excited to see what that jump can be from year one to year two and just getting a lot more guys around him to where he's not... Like Think about when, when J.D. Spielman's out there running routes. Obviously, he's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. How much was there around him? Like... That's what I like about this wide receiver room is there's a bunch of guys out there. Now, if you were to step away from outside of that that top three or four, yeah. what, what's that name that you're excited for? Uh, I like Elante Brown. Yeah, that's a good one. I think he could be involved in the return game uh, as, as part of his benefit as well. But I think he's going to get some snaps in the backfield. Just in terms of what he can do, his versatility is going to be key. Yeah, because he can play... Uh, that that sort of Wandale Robinson role where you can give him some snaps in the backfield, you can line him out, uh, line him up out wide. He he can do a little bit of everything for you. And he wasn't fully healthy last year, and so that's something to watch, obviously. But if you can get production from him, um, then I think that will help. Like you said, the symbiotic relationship; those other positions kind of open up a little bit. Maybe the running backs get a little bit more room to run between the tackles. Maybe you get a little bit more uh, open guys in terms of your tight ends with Allen and Vokalek. So, if if Elante Brown, if if Will Nixon, if Xavier Betts, if those guys can get loose once in a while, yeah. Number one, that'll help the the top line guys, the projected starter guys, Martin Touré and Manning, in terms of not needing them to produce everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you're not going to have that much of a drop off if those guys have separated themselves uh, and, and are clearly the top three. That was the big issue with getting the ball, even in space to Wandale Robinson, is there wasn't exactly a lot more space for him to get free with because right. there weren't other threats. Yeah, exactly right. And as long as the student section can. Uh, Find a, a little piece to be the Brewington Crewington. Oh yes, make it happen. <laughs> get get over to the dorms and the frat houses and make sure that they know that that can be a thing. <laughs> that needs to happen. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up next. A grab bag of stuff. We've got Scott Frost at Big Ten Media Days. We've got baseball signings. We've got basketball recruiting. Lots of stuff to get to, <laughs> and one more segment to do it. And we're back after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Without a doubt, this is the most uh, excited I've been about our team and the most confident. Part of that's talent, part of that's just the uh, character of the young man on our team and, and the culture surrounding the team. Um, 
you know, I'm excited for this season. We got to go earn whatever respect we get. And I, so far, we haven't done enough of that. But our, our players are really excited to do it. Uh, we've really been focusing on the things that um, we needed to fix uh, as a football team. Uh, we've had too many self-inflicted wounds, too many uh, errors, uh, turnovers, penalties, uh, those types of things that have kept us from winning some close football games. Uh, special teams is another one. And uh, our players are really mindful of that and dedicated to that and have been through spring ball and, and summer. Um, and I think they know the little things that, that we all need to do to get better uh, that will, will help us win more football games. That's Scott Frost in Indianapolis this last week at Big Ten Media Days talking about how excited he is for the season, and and I think we can all share in that excitement. It's it's been a while for regular football. It's been two years for that uh, to have a, a regular run up with Big Ten Media Days and to have a non conference schedule and all these things happening on time with you know able to participate with the entire team and uh, and so that's that's probably a, a fun and refreshing right. thing. Uh, but but more than that, this is a critical season for this program because they've got to take a step forward. They've got to find a way to get to a bowl game for the first time under Scott Frost. They've got to find a way to cut out the turnovers and avoid bad losses. And there, there's only one way to right those wrongs, and it is with games and a season, and we're 35 days away from the start of that. The only bowl game Scott Frost has coached since he's been hired as the Nebraska football coach was for UCF. <laughs> was the Peach Bowl when he defeated <laughs> Auburn who defeated both of the national championship contend uh, the national championship participants is what it is. A big yeah. reason for Nebraska taking that jump this year Scott Frost was asked uh, by Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald um as he said a chance for Frost to brag about his quarterback. Um there was a lot that he went into. Guys, this was a full hour. We don't have time to get into all the yeah. the Big Ted Media Day um, sound, but this one in particular, Scott Frost talks about his quarterback, Adrian Martinez. I couldn't be more excited for Adrian than I am right now. Um, I've walked in his shoes before. You know, Adrian came in and earned the job as an 18-year-old and had a phenomenal freshman season. Um, I think he would tell you he wasn't as satisfied with his sophomore season as he would have liked to have been. Um, some of that was his fault. Some of that was our father's coaching staff and, and, the, and the other people around him. Um, he's already lived the highs and lows of Nebraska football and that bright spotlight being on you. Uh, this is the most comfortable I've ever seen him in who he is, uh, the most confident I've seen him in his talent. Um, he knows the things that we all need to get better at, the things that he can improve. I'm expecting him to have a really big season. Um, we play week zero. Uh, he would have been here as one of our representatives, but our, our players, this is their one week off before we get started, and he wanted to go home, and I wanted to let him. Uh, but he's in a really good place um, mentally and physically, and I think he's primed to have a really good year. I think that mentally part, and getting to go home and just kind of decompress before it really takes off uh, is something that's going to be good for Martinez, good for this team. That was one thing from some of the players that I've talked to. Um, about when you got to December and you got to, are you going to play in a bowl game? Are you not going to play in a bowl game? Man, there were a lot of players that even if they wanted to play, they were run. They were so run down because they had been there since June. Well, JoJo Doman talked about that in here a couple yeah. weeks ago with us about kind of how they were feeling. Like about it, that. it, it was. It would have been very difficult to get up for another couple weeks of doing things when it was like 
You know what? It was a win. You prepped for this being the last game anyway. So I think just getting mentally right ahead of the season is going to be make a big difference for this team, especially at the quarterback position. And here's the deal. Martinez, as much as it's a make-or-break really season for the team, Martinez is the guy who's got to make it as well because if things go wrong at the quarterback position, it's hard to make anything else go right. Right, and this is maybe an underrated and under-discussed part of, of Martinez's tenure here, but his freshman year he wins the job and Jebbia transfers, and I think he knew he, knew he was the guy, and, and he was able to play freely and play a certain way, and obviously there were still ups and downs. Sophomore year, dealt with injuries. Junior year, also had injuries, but also knew that McCaffrey was there and was kind of challenging him, and there was a little bit of that his sophomore year too, mm-hmm. but... McCaffrey wasn't a, a threat to start over him his sophomore year because they were still right. trying to redshirt him. But now that he's definitely the guy again, like he was his freshman year, and there's no chatter about somebody coming up and taking his job behind him, maybe that frees him up to play like he did his freshman season. Maybe that loosens him up a little bit to where that isn't hanging over him, and maybe that does have an impact on his play. I mean, I don't know that he'd ever say that, but... That could be a factor that isn't going to affect right. his game this season. Yeah, I, I I hope that's the change. Uh, really quickly, so in some other sports, in baseball, Spencer Schwellenbach signs a million dollars with the Atlanta Braves. Huh? A million, a million one million. Um, Cade Povich, it was with the Twins, right? Yes, S- signed his deal. Yep. And then this one was a little bit surprising. Was that the twentieth round pick? Cam Wynn was a junior. Did sign with the Phillies. Uh, elected to go ahead and start that pro career. Um, I thought maybe in the twentieth round he might come back to work on some things. That's try the last to, round of the draft. Yeah, now. yeah. Try to baseball. improve his his slot. But hey, if he feels he's ready and the uh, the Phillies fans are super ready to get him because they saw him be absolutely insane on the mound, um, just look like a Looney Tune, <laughs> man. Love his attitude, though. Um, so good luck to all three of those guys. Um, agree or disagree with the decision for Cam Wynn in the 20th round? It is what it is. Yeah. He signed with them. And Jackson Hallmark, too. He had the op- uh, option to come back if right. he wanted, and he yep. signed with the Astros. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so he's starting his career, too. Nebraska ball, they got another guy joining the program. This is a 2022 commit. Ramel Lloyd Jr., uh, he's a combo guard, four-star, top 100 nationally, plays in Sierra Canyon, California. It's North L.A. It's where Bronny James goes yep. to high school, uh, LeBron's kid. Uh, he visited Nebraska in June along with Oregon, Arkansas, and Georgetown. Um, so that's who he picked uh, Nebraska over. So ho-hum, another 100, top 100 recruit for uh, Fred Hoiberg. Volleyball is looking like they're going to have another top five, possibly number one class. The uh, daughter of a Joe Juravicious. Joe Juravicious, yeah. Um, yeah, she's coming to Nebraska, too. Yeah, John Cook continuing to roll. <laughs> this is not breaking news. Uh, all right, that'll, that'll do it here this week. Next week, we will have had one day of fall camp behind us, <laughs> and we will only be four weeks away from the start of Husker football season. That's Caleb. I'm Cole. Thanks to Kenny. Go get your shot, and go Big Red.